I'm Danita, and I'm here to question the other side of life with you, to show how exploring the shadow can be painful, but also sexy. We ask our listeners to unravel parts of themselves they try to hide, and this can be scary, and also bring moments of revelation and elation. In the next 15 to 20 minutes, we are going to question and move through fear and some avant-garde ideas that might make you feel rage, grief, sadness, and also joy. I'm going to share insights and personal experiences about how I've been embracing the dark so I can live in my light. Welcome to the other side. Hey, Jen. Hi, Danita. I'm here with my good friend and colleague, Jennifer Dollinchuk, and we are talking in the month of May and June about one of our favorite things, which is relationships. It's a two-monther because when it comes to relationships, you need a lot of time. (laughs) And Danita, you are living the dream right now. You're in Costa Rica. I literally thought you were there for the last two months, and then I realized you've been there for seven. (laughs) It's coming on seven months and we are going to be staying for a bit longer. We're just keep extending, extending, extending and loving the life down here. We're going to be back in Canada for a couple months this summer and then we're coming back down again next year. Costa Rica has definitely hit my vibe. I'm feeling it. I'm loving it. I'm so happy you're feeling it, loving it. When you told me you were going to drive down, I thought that would be an experience. Then I know you and of course you would drive down. So we actually last summer were driving around camping. We camp all summer because we Airbnb our house out in Canada. So we camp all summer. While we were driving, I just looked at Kurt and said, what happens if we just keep driving and we drive to Costa Rica and spend the winter down there? And he kind of looked at me, gave me a moment, a glare, a look of confusion, a look of like, what the heck are you even saying? (laughs) And this time he just said, I need a moment. It took, I would say, about a a week for him to fully kind of wrap his head around the idea. It took about three hours for him to say, okay, I'm going to think about it. Then it took about a week for him to wrap his head around it. Then it took about a month for him to fully embrace the idea. (laughs) I was kind of anticipating that he would just jump on board right away and say, yeah, I'm here for it. Let's do it. I didn't expect him to need the time to actually get on board with it. But he did. And he took the time. And I was actually really grateful that he took the time for it because we somewhat sort of came up with a napkin sort of plan. And that plan involved basically getting the van ready to go. That was the extent of our planning was getting the van ready to go. We had no idea on our route. We had no idea how long it would take us. We had no idea the stops that we were going to make. We had a general consensus that we would stay at some hotels along the way through Central America. And that was about the extent of the plan. Other than that, we got in the van and we drove. We didn't know until the day we were leaving Drumheller, which is in Alberta, if we were going to drive east to the east coast of Canada, if we were going to drive west down the Pacific Coast Highway, or if we were going to go down the interior and go through Utah and do some hiking in Utah. We drove across Canada to the East Coast to Halifax. We added 70 hours to the drive. (laughs) That's why I saw you in New York. Okay, it all makes sense now. That's why you were there. 
just tacking on the hours. <laughs> then we drove down to New York and then we drove back to the West Coast to Palm Springs. Then we drove down Baja, Mexico, took a ferry across to Sinaloa, deep Sinaloa, and then through Mexico, Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, Nicaragua, Costa Rica. There we go. That's an adventure. And now you're settled. We're settled and it feels good. It feels really like a, a home. I don't want to say home, the home, but it feels like a home definitely for us. Well, I'm really glad that Kurt jumped on board. Me too. I mean, he could have flown down and met us. <laughs> <laughs> and missed out on the thousand hours of driving. But why, Bob? It's part of the experience. Nothing makes a family closer than being in a van together for two and a half straight months of driving. <laughs> Nothing could make a family as close as the van. But Danita, in your past, you have been, well, prior to Kurt and your kids, quite the independent woman, especially when it comes to your relationships. How are you able to navigate that kind of identity that you have now that you're able to drive all the way down to Costa Rica with your current partner and your kids? That's a good question, Jen. When you really look at it, what you see on the outside isn't necessarily the type of identity the person has in a relationship. People might see me as ultra independent or they might see me really anchored within my relationship, but there's definitely times I've felt defined or restricted, uh, even confused in a relationship. It's not always what you see that what the person is feeling in the relationship. Even ultra-independence, for example, it looks like I might be ultra-independent, but why am I? And that's kind of a question that I started to ask myself about, like, what was this need that I had to be super independent? Like, if something happened in our relationship, I would just say, fine, I can do it on my own. It's fine. I got this. I can do it on my own. Yes, there's this sense of, like, pride almost that, yeah, I can do it on my own. But what was the first actual quick instinct? Did I want to do it on my own? Did I want to be ultra-independent? Or was that the reaction from something that was missing or something that I wanted? When you say something that was missing, can I just connect to that for a second? Explain what that means a little bit, something missing. Something that was missing, Jen. Uh, an example might be something really easy, a really easy example. My car, I run out of gas. I run it on empty all of the time. I am so close to E all the time. I can't be bothered to stop at a gas station. And I also happen to live wherever I live, quite far out away from gas stations. So it's not necessarily the easiest thing in life. So a couple of years ago, I ran at a gas on the side of the road on, a, on the way to our house in Kelowna, Canada. I was driving by the reservoir and it was on a turn and the car just stopped. And my very first instinct was, please, someone rescue me. I don't want to do this alone. Like, I don't. And then my next instinct was, nope, I can do this on my own. I got this, which is a good thing, right? Like you come back from that. But what was missing was that very first thing that I wanted, I needed someone to rescue me. So I'm looking around me and I'm looking, okay, who's going to rescue me? That's what I'm looking for. I need someone to rescue me. I need someone to pick me up on the side of the road. I need this. 
And then it goes, okay, I can handle it. I can do it. But that thought, there's a difference. There's a difference between you run out of gas on the side of the road and you're like, okay, I got this. It'll suck. I can do it. Versus, I hope someone rescues me. Great. No one's going to rescue me. Fine. I'll do it on my own. There's two very different situations going on there. And I used to be the one very much that was, I hope someone picks me up on the side of the road. Even when I was a kid walking home from my friend's houses, and it would be like 10 blocks, I would look around hoping that someone would pick me up. Like who would pick me up? I don't know. But I hoped that someone would. And I wanted someone to almost pick me up and save me from this torture of walking home 10 blocks. Same sort of feeling in my car. I want someone to rescue me from this hell of sitting on the side of the road waiting for gas to be put in my car. Yeah, I I get that though. But are you saying maybe because I'm the same way, I too would want help. I don't want to deal with this. Are you saying there's like a group of people that don't even think about help and just jump to the pump themselves? We become ultra independent on the other side of it. That almost when the help comes, it's like, oh no, I got it. I'm fine. Because I've also done that where it's like almost the help then comes with the gas and you're like, oh yeah, no, I, you know, I can do this. I'll figure it out on my own. I don't want to bother someone else. I can, I don't want to look weak. I can manage this all on my own. That makes sense. And then if that's your response, that would relate to your romantic relationship as well. Okay, so here we go with the romantic relationship. Same sort of thing. Something happens. I run out of gas. I run out of money. (laughs) I run out of the feeling of love. And I look to someone else to rescue me and give me that. And when they're not, then I say, oh, I'm fine. I'm really fine. I got this. I can do it on my own. I got it. Does that then lead to being solo, not even wanting to be in a relationship? Or is that like in inside of a relationship already? Over time, it leads you wanting to protect yourself from the fear of feeling the pain of not being rescued, of the neglect, of not being seen, of not being heard, of any sort of manipulation that you felt in your life or humiliation. You don't want to feel humiliated, so you protect yourself and you become ultra-independent And you look ultra independent because you don't want to feel the pain of feeling humiliated, manipulated, neglect, or rejected. And the fear of that is so strong that you become ultra independent. And when someone offers kindness to you, you almost can't accept it because you're too busy protecting yourself from those other things. And then you miss out on a potential kind-hearted person that could enter your life. You really do. Because you are busy protecting yourself. Saying, no, I got this. I can do it on my own. Because in that split second, no one came to rescue you throughout your life. Like over over time, you kept looking for someone to rescue you, to feel safe, to feel heard. And you weren't. I think the first step that you need to do is start looking at yourself when you say, no, no, I'm fine. I got this. I can do it on my own. Did that come first or was there something else? Did you feel a slight chance of rejection, humiliation, manipulation, or reject? 
that you became afraid and you needed to protect yourself. So you said, I'm fine. I got this. I can do it on my own. Or did you just get to the point where you said, oh yeah, no, I got this. I can do this on my own. That's fine. And there wasn't that little bit of part of you, that little shadow side, that little person inside of you saying, please, someone help me. Please rescue me. Please hear me. If you do acknowledge that first part, what can you do to make sure that you work on it or open yourself up for a future that you're not giving up these good opportunities and situations in life because of that fear? I guess the first thing that you can do after you create that awareness of why are you saying no? Why are you saying no? Is it because you truly want to say no to the help, to the love, to the connection? Or is it that you're protecting yourself from something? Usually it's protecting from rejection, humiliation, neglect. When you're protecting yourself from those things, say no because you want to, not because you feel like you need to. And then if you feel like you need to say no, what would it be like to say yes? Let that idea of saying yes float through your mind. What would happen if you said yes? Thanks, Danita. Thanks, Jen. I'm going to go practice saying, well, I don't know. Sometimes I say yes. Sometimes I say no. You know, we can all be yes people and no people. We can be both in different situations. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. It is my mission to help as many people as possible explore the other side of life, to find awareness in their truth and learn to love where they are at and discover where they can go. So if you found support and guidance in any way today, I would love to hear from you. The best way is to simply share your love by leaving me a comment on whatever platform you are tuning in from. I will be reading every single one of them. Or you can connect with me on YouTube where I share healing sound meditations. And you can always learn more about me, my services, and what it is I do at www.gypsyheart.ca. That's www.gypsyheart.ca. I can't wait to connect again soon.